Yeah. All right. Well, anyway, uh, I appreciate you guys having me in here. Uh, for uh, I'm, I'm here in San Diego. This is our first remote uh, podcast that we're recording. And across from me, I have Martin and Krister from Web Manuals. So thank you. Thank you for making your way all over. Yeah, yeah thank all you. All the thank states you. are here. Yeah, no, it's been good. I um, I had was talking this morning. It's like this is the first two weeks that I've been out on the road uh, visiting face to face with people in like over eighteen months. So it's been good. Uh, got to come out here. It was beautiful out today. We got to hang out on the rooftop here on your uh, your new office and uh, check out the sunset. It was it was magical. It's San Diego. What can I say? It's beautiful every day. Well, I think next time we got to invite you over to Sweden so you can uh, see the alternative reality in yeah. November. In November. <laughs> uh, but yeah, thanks for having me out. I appreciate it. I think we uh, hopefully we don't we haven't talked ourselves um, too too much into into being tired here because we've been talking for the last few hours here so hopefully we have uh we have something left to to talk about um but why don't we uh why don't we just start with a a quick intro to who you guys are and then maybe you could give me a little bit of a rundown on web manuals and and what you guys do sure so yeah martin lidgard uh founder and ceo of web manuals um background in having run to startup and, and, and run to IT companies in Sweden uh, before pivoting um, the second one into essentially web manuals as, as a company in 2012. Okay. Uh, Christa Denmark, uh, VP of Sales Web Manuals as well as Director of Operations for the team here in San Diego. Uh, background in the aviation industry. Uh, over the last 20, 25 years, mostly on the ground, ground services of uh, different types. Um, met Martin about 10 years ago, uh, trying to uh, convince me to uh, go for the uh, predecessor of web manuals, I would say. Uh, didn't end up going that way, but five years later, I'm working for him. So okay. <laughs> and now I've been here for five years with, with web manuals, and it's been super exciting. Okay. Well, cool. Um, tell me about web manuals. What uh, what do you guys do? I mean, I know what you guys do. Uh, at least I have a good idea on what you guys do. But you know, what's your, what's your product and service, and uh, and who you're working with? Well, Christopher, you're obviously VP of Sales, so I entrust you with that sales pitch. <laughs> thank you, thank you. I appreciate that. Well. We talked about this earlier, right? How hard it is sometimes to explain what we actually do. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I tend to do in my sales presentations is to keep it very simple and say that we bring your manuals into a digital environment. And the PDF and Word is not digital in, in our world. Uh, so we simplify that process of taking it from writing your manuals to make sure they're compliant, to uh, review and approve, and then finally send them out there to the pilots so they can read them on the on the iPads and uh, other digital platforms. Okay. And so when you say manuals, what ty- what types of manuals are, are typically found in web manuals? Well, that might be a part of the confusion, right? It could be any type of content, really. Okay. It could be a flight operations manual. It could be a safety p- bulletin. It could be uh, maintenance manuals uh, and 
really any type of document or content. Okay. And what types of, of operations are utilizing web manuals today? Big spread. Yeah. Uh, there's airlines. There's uh, regional airlines, uh, business jet operators, corporate flight departments, uh, different type of mission operators, helicopter operators, as well as uh, unmanned operations, mm -hmm. uh, drone operators. Uh, as of lately, also a surge in the EV toll area, urban transport uh, as well. I think what we've seen during the pandemic is suddenly a lot of news segments uh, starting to show interest. Um, we've been adding airports, ground service providers, uh, national authorities, uh, air traffic control. So, I mean, the, the exciting part of exciting part about aviation is that you know, everyone is working together to to uh, make this uh, this concept possible, and uh, everyone has a stake in the safety of, of uh, aviation. And I think more and more the realization is that um, even the people on the ground that are not actually up in the air are essential components in the, in the safety and the continuous uh, operation of, of, of aircraft. So, um, yeah, and this is what we've been seeing um, during the pandemic. There's been suddenly a, a surge in, in all these businesses showing interest and, and signing up and being super happy with the outcome. Sure. And so, you know, one of the things that I've, I've seen along, you know, especially in the last 10 years here, and now it's, it's more evident than, than ever, is that um, if you're, you're from the outside looking in, you would typically say that aviation is a, is a super high-tech industry. And when you look at the equipment, it, it typically is. But when you look at a lot of the support infrastructure and everything that is in place to keep these operations going and keep the aircraft up and running, um, you know, it's in a lot of ways, it's, it's pretty outdated. And, um, and so I've had experience in editing manuals and creating, uh, helping operators with like general maintenance manuals. I also used to write, uh, and revise MEL documents, which is, was, I, I never want to go back to that right. personally, yeah. <laughs> not, you. not for me. Um, but you guys are, are bringing a modern cloud-based solution to managing these, you know, the creation and, uh, revisions to these manuals. And so, you know, what, what does that look like for a customer in comparison to like, you know, what, what are they using today or what, what are they using a few years ago? And what's that transition look like to what their life is like today on, on your platform? I think the challenge here is that the, the pain in writing and managing manuals and compliance and sharing that knowledge is a pain that is distributed both between a lot of people and over time um, that it's, it's something that, that adds up. I, I, used, I normally talk about sort of death by a thousand cuts. Mm -hmm. you know, it's really a, a thousand small problems that seem to be disparate and they're all sort of adding their little headache, but it's, it might be difficult to sort of make a sum total of that that makes sense. Oh, wow, there should be a tool for this because you're trying to address, you know, minute problems of you know, managing the structure of your Word documents and managing pagination, imagining, uh, managing um, lists of effective pages and revision bars and dating. And it's just ridiculous stuff that just doesn't work uh, out of the box of Word. It, it's really, really complicated. And you spend just uh, a silly amount of time 
on things that don't relate to the knowledge that you're actually trying to share to to the organization to ensure that they're safe and compliant and and hopefully also effective so you can run that business with uh, with some success. Um, so I think the challenge is that there's not one massive problem that we're solving. It's really a lot of small ones that tie together into what's a very broken process for knowledge sharing and, and managing, you know, from from the source of regulations and standards into it's a way of working that makes sense for the company and then ensuring that people actually understand and, and execute according to that. Um, what we bring in is an end-to-end solution taking care of, of the compliance, the writing, the approval, and the distribution of um, these, these manuals. And once you're in that um, system, you'll be very comfortable and you'll see that you spend probably 90% less time saving you know, several thousand hours a year for even a small operation. Um, and you will become more agile, quicker to adapt to new operational, to new regulatory or new commercial circumstances. Um, and you know, it will be something that drives your, your success moving forward. Yeah, it's been, I know that uh, we used to have a, a bunch of mutual customers, and I know that you know customers once they've once they decided that they were going to make the change and you know invest in a product like this, they saw some big benefits in in doing so. Um, but I know that you know change is uh, is tough in this industry for for a lot of operators. And uh, it's not always, you know, super easy to get those benefits across to them, have them change. Because this is also, it's not only changing software, it's also changing their processes and their day-to-day, right? Um, so what, is it, what, what would you say the biggest obstacle is in getting in with a new operator? And, you know, what, what does that process look like in getting them onboarded? Right. It depends a lot on where you come from as well. And as you said, you're in an industry where we have uh, aircraft for, you know, millions of dollars, very modern, doing amazing things. But then you still have a binder with paper and post-its in to to manage your uh, new revisions. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And we're still, in some cases, coming from there. Actual binders with post-its with notes of your next revision. then we also have, you know, more modern ways of doing it, but still not very efficient. So for us, when we come in to that situation uh, with this company, we need to identify the change process. What does it mean for them to get to this next level of efficiency, right? And we have a strong customer success team that are very proficient in, in doing that and, and that have onboarded many customers coming from different backgrounds and and can ease that process. But it is change management. It is a new way of working. And I would say, though, when you get across that first hump and you see the first benefit, there's a lot of smiles in the room realizing that, wow, <laughs> I, I just saved 50% of this day in time dealing with my document. And as Martin said, down the road, we're looking at 80, 90% of savings uh, in time. Yeah, and, and I think that smile is, it's, it might be a silly thing just realizing, wow, this is the last time in my life that I 
updated a list of effective pages manually. Yeah, it's <laughs> ridiculous. You know, it's like yeah. that. That insight it just brings a smile on people's face because that is a single page which adds zero value to the end user. It is just a, a, a artifact of broken processes and regulatory um, requirements that adds days of work. You know, and you know, suddenly it's it's just a push of a button and it's done. So yeah, and, so, and you get people that uh, we had a customer recently that. Uh, referred us to another uh, company that ended up being uh, our customer, and he, he was helping them with their with their manual. And uh, he asked them, "Do you have web manuals?" They said, "No, I'm not doing it. <laughs> Get web manuals, and I'll help you. Otherwise, I'm not." <laughs> as as somebody who has messed around with effective page or the effective pages section of a manual. Um, it is an absolute nightmare. And just to have that done automatically, I think probably can pay for itself. Yeah. <laughs> as those uh, as those pages start sliding and all the revision bars and everything like that, it's a, it's a nightmare. Yeah. Um, but so you guys are moving along. I know we had talked a little bit earlier today. You've seen good growth over the last few years. How, how long have you been at this for now? When, when did you start so this? So we're, we're coming up on, on 10 years as an independent company. Um, so big celebrations coming up in March next year. Cool. Um, but the product was already developed um, in its previous company um, in uh, starting tw- 2008, 2009. Um, and um, so it was something that came from um, you know, doing different types of web development projects for our customers, and one of those customers being a small airline. And they came back to us after having launched a fairly straightforward web solution for them, saying, well, uh, we actually have this thing where we're sending out paper binders to about 100 pilots across the world. And it's painful, and it's costly, and there are so many mistakes. We're IOSA certified, and it is, it is killing us. Uh, could you solve this? And in the end, we built a fairly straightforward solution of distributing PDF documents. We came back after delivering this, just sort of following up, you know, how did it go? Is it working? And they're like, well, you know, in actual fact, we're able to put these two full-time document managers onto something more meaningful. um, And we're saving probably um, $100,000 a year um, in expenses. And um, they were able to just become more more uh, quick to adapt, more fluent in, in, in running their operation. Um, and of course, we, we realized that this is a huge saving for them. Here's probably an opportunity for us to do something similar for other clients. And of course, the exciting part about aviation is that it's, it's global, um, it's very uh, consistent and similar across uh, different countries and, and continents. Uh, so there could be a very interesting opportunity here. And mm-hmm. step by step, this has evolved together with customers, and we've been you know, actively involving customers in open innovation workshops and uh, different ways of, of listening to customer needs uh, into, you know, from just the distribution into having the authoring side, into adding on the whole regulation database um, for compliance linking, and then finally in the end adding on um, the apps for pilots. Uh, so it's been a step-by-step process together with with customers to understand, you know, how how far can we go with this? 
And um, yeah, so we, we started off with, uh, I think, eight customers back in uh, 2012. Uh, we today actually hit 400. Uh, so that's awesome. a bit of a marker. Yeah, yeah. Um, congrats. Thank you. <laughs> and um, yeah, consistent growth um, year on year. Uh, you know, the client base has been growing probably around 40% year on year. Uh, and we're, we're super happy with that. And still, I mean, looking at the, the industry, that's probably just a, a little um, drop of water in, in, in the big scheme of things in terms of how many operators there are out there globally and especially adding on all the non-flying uh, aviation operations sure. with, with yeah. ground and flight academies and so on. So there's a, there's a very exciting potential moving forward. Yeah. So you've been able to, to grow the company pretty so, had pretty solid growth over, over the last few years and one of the things that I wanted to ask you about was as a you know a smaller company um, how has it been in running you know multinational operations because you have you know a good chunk of your team over in Sweden you have this awesome new office here in uh, in San Diego I know you've been in San Diego for a bit but we're in a, a new upgraded larger office here and I think you recently opened up operations in Singapore, Singapore yeah. right? And so how, what, what's that been like for you? And what are the, what have been the, the cool things about it? Maybe what have been some of the obstacles in, in having everybody kind of spread out? So, I mean, the story is we, we started off in, in 2012 and that was just on the, on the back of the financial crisis. Uh, on top of that, there was the ash cloud, which was in a m massive turmoil in the European aviation industry. Uh, I don't think there's been anything since then, possibly ever, <laughs> that has had that impact on aviation. Um, you know, please let me know if I missed something. Um, and um, so it was, it was a tough start. And we, we felt that Europe is probably not that keen on investing. Um, so we, we actually started off looking at the Middle East as a first export market. Mm -hmm. So um, while we're just starting up the company and the, so, sort of the separation from the old business, um, I was down in the Middle East uh, about um, you know, a week every month trying to get that moving. Um, that didn't really work out for, for various reasons. Um, but as it happened, we were gaining some clients in Europe in the interim. And um, after about a year of, of uh, failing in the Middle East uh, and having unexpected success in, in Europe, we um, realized, okay, this is not working, so let's, let's sort of loop back and, and reflect on where we're at and what we're going to do. And um, at that point, the realization was, well, you know, we're Swedish, so you know, we're in the outskirts of, of Europe, but um, working with um, European operators felt like uh, very much sort of home turf and... Uh, we needed to challenge ourselves. We had very high ambitions, so we decided to start up the the U.S. entity um, already after two years of uh, operation. Um, but it was just uh, sort of the, the the company, and we were able to gain our first ten customers in North America uh, during those the following two years, I think. And at that point, we felt that we had enough um, enough traction, enough revenues. To actually have, uh, yeah, have the chance or, or to, to be able to take the risk of, of starting up, and that's when, when you know, Christer, you had, you had your parallel sort of internationalization of you yourself and your family. Oh, myself, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, so I had moved to the United States a few years uh, before that and working for a U.S. company um, out of Seattle, but I was based down here in, in San Diego. Uh, but when the uh, opportunity presented itself and me and Martin stayed in close contact there uh, during that time, and in 2016, April 2016, uh, we opened the office here in San Diego uh, with one desk and me. And going back to your question there, uh, running a global organization, especially at that stage, when we were not that many in Sweden either. Uh, 12 or 14 or something like that. Correct. Or Uh, not even that, maybe. No, I think we were around 10. 10, Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And me alone here in the U.S. uh, Was that lonely? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) It was very lonely. And... And, and getting the mis- mission, okay, here's the U.S. market, go get it. Mm-hmm. And there I am in my office. <laughs> but um, as my experience been here in the U.S. since I moved there, there there's a lot of open doors. Mm-hmm. And it's been an amazing experience. And uh, even so in the, in the aviation industry, maybe even more. Uh, so many friends and so many people have helped me during especially those first years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I had the Swedish team always backing me up, uh, not more than a phone call away. So I think that, to answer that question, that goes back to communication and, and feeling like you're a part of the team, even though you're nine hours time difference and thousands of miles away. Uh, same goes now for Singapore. We're, we got to be there for the team over there at all times because it is lonely in the beginning. Yeah. Now I've seen, you know, over the years, uh, I've seen that real remote type, you know, remote office out there with one or two people and they don't always make it because yeah. of that, you know, that loneliness and the the breaking communication and they don't necessarily get the right exposure to, you know, the customer service aspect of things, the technology aspect of things. And so it's pretty cool to see you know, you started out as a as a one man show here, and have been able to really create a, a solid foundation here in the states with, I think, over a hundred customers. You were saying yeah. earlier in in this space. And what we also have always been really good at, I would claim, is to have written processes for what we do. Yeah. So we have manuals ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> so you sit there and you're like, okay, what do I do now? Well, it's right there. Yeah. Do you use web manuals internally? Yes, sir. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if we weren't, I wouldn't admit to it. (laughs) No, of course. No. So, I mean, it's it's been uh, and also from sort of uh, from my perspective, uh, you know, running the company from Sweden, it's been a big bet uh, on on Christer. Um, A a lot of. pressure on on him to deliver and uh, because it's not just a matter of uh, investing money and then you know you know make something happen go go get this uh, these big wins um, but it's, uh, it's the business is so intertwined uh, even though we have uh, three regional offices um, in the you know states Europe and, and Asia um, we're all very interdependent in terms of helping each other, in terms of supporting each other uh, through different tough stages, uh, but also financially. It's been a big bet for the for the company to to get started here and to start hiring uh, more people as well. Um, and uh, you know, what we've we've chosen uh, a a 
you know, in these times and a fairly unusual and and um, at times difficult path, which is to be self-funded and to grow with profitability and to not take on external uh, funding. Um, and that's uh, that, that exposes you to a, a lot of risk when you're trying to grow at this pace, pace and uh, to you know make these big bets on being able to grow nationally. So it's um, yeah, it's it's been um, I know there's been a lot of pressure on Christer to to actually deliver in the end. And um, yeah, and here, here we are. I mean, we just uh, we're this week where we had two new team members joining, and I think we're closing. Uh, another recruitment this by the end of the, this, this week yep. um, for the San Diego office. So there's a lot of progress tonight, right now, and it's, it's uh, very, very exciting. Um, and at the same time, the, the Swedish office has grown to about 30 people, and we launched in Singapore in, in September um, with uh, you know, two Swedish team members um, traveling down there. Um, so there's um, it's it's uh, it's interesting and it's it's something where we're trying to um, you know design our own success and make sure that we uh, we are creating ways of sharing these insights within the team you know creative we're very uh, ambitious when it comes to documenting our processes and obviously using our own tool to make sure that we can easily adapt them over time as well. Um, and but at the same time, we want to make allowance for the fact that you know the Swedish team is obviously the biggest team. Uh, the U.S. team is sort of one step behind in, in, in size, and now just obviously with a very small team down there, we want to make sure that we don't um, miss out on the fact that we have different cultures and we have different conditions um, yeah, sure. that, that impacts how we work and what what are the the means of achieving success in each uh, in each office. Um, and I think one of the things we did just um, actually last week was you know you taking on the new role of global uh, VP sales. Uh, so uh, Christer will be working with the, the regional sales managers to support them and in, in, in driving their growth with their their own local teams. Um, but that's very much a, a global perspective. Mm-hmm. And I think we've sort of built that into se- several ways of how we operate, and, you know, in terms of support and customer success and so on. Um, and now even more so with, with sales uh, to make sure that we're able to learn from each other, we're able to allow for the, the local um, ad- uh, adaptions needed, mm-hmm. and, you know, if it's size or if it's culture or whatever it might be. Um, but still we want to have that that uh, global perspective that, that puts uh, quite a bit of demand. I mean, you and I, and the, the, actually the whole San Diego team, um, met at the office six thirty in the morning today to do um, a monthly meeting with um, both the Swedish team and the Singapore, Singapore team. team. So we had a, a global meeting, and that's uh, it was a fair, I think, fairly comfortable time for the Swedish team. So three <laughs> thirty in the afternoon, so yep. not too bad. I know there's some people that, that want to go home by by four at least. So. Um, but it was definitely late at night for the Singapore team. So you know, regardless of how you do that, there's always going to be someone that takes a bit of a toll in terms of um, of the hour of the day. Yeah, sure. Um, and we, you got to be mindful of that. So we got to you know move things around a little bit. You know, in the management team, we we sort of shift once in a while. We shift the hours, to make sure that it's not always six o'clock in the morning for Christer, or it's not always late night for someone else. Yeah, well, that's so. cool. I know, um, you know, for the few hours that I was here today, it seems like there's a, 
a great culture among the among the team here and seems like everybody's pretty focused on you know a few of the core you know aspects of the business um i know we had talked about some of the growth and you guys have a pretty um pretty aggressive i think hiring plan for uh for this upcoming year how are you guys how are you looking at you know the the company culture and attracting new talent because right now everybody i talk to hiring is a is a problem for them you know getting people in the door and frankly keeping people is is really tough in in today's market so how are you guys how are you guys looking at that it is challenging yeah it, it <laughs> is a a market out there that is very unique right now um you mentioned culture. The culture within web manuals is very strong and uh, a big part of us. And, and I think also that's how we attract new employees. Mm-hmm. Uh, the people we interview, that's one of the initial questions in the screening interview. Well, what are you looking for in culture? And that's where we need to have a good fit for both. Uh, to come in here and be a part of the family, because it really is, uh, as you saw today. Yeah. There's and, and a lot of these uh, you know, team members you saw today, they're, they haven't been here that long. Uh, but they come in and become a part of this, you know, tight team. Uh, so culture, uh, ownership, and uh, will to grow in, in many different ways. And, mm-hmm. and I think not knowing that everyone is having that experience now on the job market, but there there is a new way of looking at uh, at what you're doing at work, right? And you want to be a part of something that is more important than just going to work and do what you're supposed to do. And people are looking at growth in a different way. Uh, it's not necessarily just a career, but as I said, being a part of something, sure. feeling that you are uh, in a uh, in an environment where you can thrive and and grow as a person. Sure. I think. I mean, this is this is something. Uh, I mean, we had the advantage of um, you know, the, us, the original founding team. We we had been through a couple of different startups before then. We made plenty of mistakes back then, and we tried to do things uh, as much as possible, you know, in the way that it should be done with with defining the foundations of the culture at the get go and then defining our core values and, and really working through that. Um, and you know, you know, every company has core values, but it's, it's, it comes down to the mix and trying to understand how we're going to um, implement this on a day-to-day basis. And that's, that's the difficult part. Um, and I think what, what you know, a realization that I've come to, to have is that um, the, in terms of shaping your culture, you only really get one shot. Um, when it comes to to ensuring that you you continue along the lines of the building the culture that you're, you're intending to build, and that is really at the recruitment. Um, you, you can find great people that will absolutely not fit in in your culture, um, and the, I think that the having a very clear understanding of what you're looking in, in team members it doesn't mean that everyone is the same. We we have a very diverse team. Um, I mean, we're probably well over 20 nationalities together, speaking well over 25 languages. Uh, so it's a super international team and, you know, all walks of life and origins and so on. Um, but 
we we sort of center on um, the the core values of leadership, enthusiasm, and responsibility. And uh, on top of that, um, what at least what I'm looking for specifically, and in terms of my last, I mean, you know, I'm part of the the recruitment process. One of the last uh, steps in the recruitment process, I'm looking for people that have a great awareness of who they are and what they're looking for. So a great awareness of self, um, you know, their mistakes, their reflections around their shortcomings and so on, and uh, with a super strong drive. If they're ambitious, they want to achieve things. If you combine these things, you can go very, very far. Um, and it's something that uh, I think we've seen is that by being very meticulous around choosing who joins a team, um, we are able to um, get get the right people on board. It means that culture sort of comes out of the box with with the right, getting the right people on board. And then you can hone that in. You can refine it. You can you can sort of promote it, but you can't really reconstruct it. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can always you know focus on you know let's let's bring core values into day to day conversations. Let's um, See how we can bring that into uh, performance management uh, and, and you know personal development or leadership development. I mean, we can we can refine this, but um, we're we're sort of we're stuck with the people we have in a certain <laughs> sense. I mean, uh, you know, if you start off with with the wrong people, if you're not able to to bring the right people on board, you're never going to be able to change people around to be someone else. Um, so it really starts off with with getting the recruitment part. Right, um, and in order for that to work, you have to have an offer that attracts people of the kind that you want to want to bring on board. Um, I th- so it's really a quite complex thing when you, when you think about it in terms of, you know, what, what can we, how can we present to potential team members something that they will be inspired by and that w- they f- feel will be something that gives them fulfillment and a sense of purpose. Um, and for that, I mean, we, we built a pretty comprehensive package. And I think, once again, going back to the fact that we've chosen not to take on board an external capital means that we're able to um, set the pace, set the ambition, and adapt when needed. And we're not, we're, we're not forced into building a company to accommodate shareholder interests mm-hmm. on a short-term basis. We're able to focus on building the company that we want to build for the coming 10 or 15 years at least um and um that you know some of the components that we built into this are um you know our one two three forward uh, social impact program where um one percent of employee time so that's two two days a year um they're expected to work and engage in the local community you know helping people of lesser means or in, in exposed situations to sort of find their foot in society. Um, we have the two is that uh, 2% of our licensed revenue is um, available as discounts to not-for-profit organizations within aviation that could benefit from using the webmining software and they, they get access to this with, with significant discounts. Um, we're also building in a scholarship program within, within that same concept. And then th- the three um, is that three percent of the shares of the company are owned by the Web Manuals Foundation, um, and the, the foundation is led by team members, and it's uh, financed by uh, the payout of dividends and other contributions from the company, 
Um, and it aims to help young women in developing countries get access to education and opportunities for entrepreneurship to have a sustaining or sustainable impact on their local communities and uh, be able to sort of drive um, progress and what you know um, development in, in um, the most remote communities you can imagine. Um, and I think that that's sort of a component in what we were able to do if you look at this from a um, a more holistic perspective in terms of why, how do we attract people with that type of heart and that type of mentality that we think will be great for building this particular company. So, um, yeah. So there's the, That's a great answer. It is. It's, <laughs> I it's, love a, it. long, it's a long one. It's a long one, but it's, it's something where, you know, it's, it's not necessarily um, what comes to mind, um, f- you know, at first. Uh, oftentimes it's like, well, we need to compensate people immensely well. And yes, you need to, but there has to be, I think, more and more that people are, are looking for a broader perspective on, on what they do in life. And I think even the pandemic has, has accentuated that um, in that, you know, you know, I'm sitting here, I'm, I'm wasting my life away, working from home, and I have no interactions, and what is, what is my purpose? Why am I doing this? Um, so I think one of our strengths is the ability to provide an exciting growth journey mm-hmm. combined with a, um, a larger perspective on, on doing something good for, for, for the world. And being a part of a, of a group of good people. Yeah. And that's what I constantly say. It, it's good people. And uh, that doesn't mean they're not top performers. They sure. still are. Uh, yeah. But go into work and you spend a lot of time with the people around you at work. Uh, I spend more time here than, than with my family, you know, in general. And Sorry, that, I'm keeping here. What is it? Six o'clock, six thirty yeah, at this point. <laughs> exactly. But this is a part of my family. That's how I see it, right? And I think that's how we grow closer together, and and we're able to accomplish amazing things if we if we look at it that way. No, that's awesome because I think, um, at, especially today, because the market is so demanding and and things have changed so much in regards to remote work and the options available for people that, you know, you could live in the middle of the country and be working for, you know, these, you know, Fortune 500 companies remotely. And so there's a lot of options for people. And I think, though, um, as I'm talking to leaders that are, are looking to hire, they're looking at it and, okay, well, we just need to up our our compensation, or we need to figure out, we have to have the best perks. We need the best kitchen. We need, you know, happy hour. We need, you know, work whatever hours you want. And I think in, and listen, those, those things have a a place, but I think in some ways, if you're just looking at those things as these kind of perks or carrots to attract people, ultimately they're going to leave at some point you're not going to attract the the right people by just kind of dangling things in front of them that look appealing you still need and which i really enjoyed about your answer is that the culture is not about all of like the fun things and the the nice office these are all great things Mm -hmm. which i think help but it's really about attracting a group of people that are all have that drive, that ambition, that want to do something more, that want to be something, part of something bigger. So that's that's really cool. No, I mean, and the perks and the fun parts of it is a result of the culture, yeah. right? That, yeah, that's what sure. happens when we are 
a good group of for people. sure. And I think also we're we're more and more realizing um, that um, that we have to have our competitive edge and and the type of you know in our offering to existing and and, and future employees um, and that that unique selling point in that sense uh, it has to be unique and for that it has to be um, something that's difficult to to copy and replicate um, and I think for us I imagine that the fact that we have a very clear uh, social impact uh, program in place and the fact that we're able to um, define our own pace, our own priorities, and, and have that liberty of, of putting together a total offering that's, that uh, uh, has um, you know, a larger purpose in, in play. Um, I think that that is definitely a unique component. Yeah, it's very cool. And I can appreciate, you know, you had mentioned, um, I was going to ask you actually about, you know, being a bootstrap company and, you know, a lot of companies are out there and they're looking for funding and, and there's obviously, uh, there's obviously a reason to do that, but I know that you've been at it and you've been growing, uh, based on your, you know, profitability and investing back in the company. And it's been, uh, cool to see because I, I don't know when's the last the first time we had talked was a was a few years ago and it's cool to see that you've stayed on this trajectory things are going really well you're growing even through the even through last year and the pandemic um, you guys had had seen good growth so it's it's uh, it's really cool to see that thanks yeah um I guess as you, you know, as you're scaling up the team and I know that you guys had, had launched uh, kind of a new version of your platform last year, it was, was it, what, what, what do you call it? Version, version eight. Version eight. Yeah. Um, so that's out there. Um, what, what does the future look like for web manuals and where, where do you guys go from here? <laughs> well, you know, seeing that we have a, a very ambitious team, and we actually covered this on the last uh, off-site activity here in September with the whole team. We had a, um, a very interesting uh, discussion about growth. You know, is it something we want? Is it something that's good for us as individuals in the company? Mm-hmm. Um, what do we get out of it? And uh, it was a super interesting discussion with so many dimensions of personal development and career development. Obviously, compensation was one, but. I think the excitement of, of winning together was was sort of one of the foundational components of, of what came out of that conversation about growth. And uh, so, you know, at times, you know, as as a founder, it's you're you're expected to be the the main driver of ambition. But I felt I was I was even in the back seat because here it was a team of forty <laughs> people that were all right. super on top. You know, really excited about what what we can achieve to, together. Um, and, and how that will create new opportunities for, for us as a team and for us as individuals. Um, so yeah, looking ahead, um, we're obviously aiming to continue growing. Uh, we're right now uh, looking at growing the team by about 50%, so going from about um, 40 people to 60 people in the next 12 months. Um, we're going to strengthen our presence in the States. We're going to strengthen our presence in Asia as well as in, in Europe. Um, and um, most likely uh, you know, keeping at a growth pace of around 40% year on year. Um, and um, that's, you know, we, we can definitely keep doing that um, for the next, 
five or ten years in aviation without having to do really anything else. Um, I mean, there's, you know, there is um, a, a huge market out there. It's uh, growing. It's evolving. There's some really exciting things happening in the, in the industry right now on the horizon that we're trying to tap into. Uh, some some great opportunities, um, and um, yeah, I think we're we're, we're uh, excited about the. Uh, about this journey, uh, we're trying to get more more team members on board. We're trying to get uh, more partners uh, on board, um, and um, yeah, it's a very very exciting uh, um, few years ahead. I'd yeah, say definitely, and with growing the team and and that diversity, a lot of new uh, input comes with that as well, and and we can grow even more that way. So super exciting. Oh, cool. Well. Um yeah, all all exciting stuff. It's, it was it was good to learn a bit more about, you know, where you guys came from, everything that's going on today, and uh, it was great to get out here to to San Diego to talk with you guys. So I appreciate it. Anything else? Uh, anything you want to touch upon, or do you want to let people know where you can uh, where you, where they can find you at? Well, I was, I was thinking because there's you know there are a couple of things that are are on the horizon that. Um, and that have sort of popped up just during the pandemic as, as you're starting to realize that, you know, the, the aviation industry has always been very volatile and very, you know, changing due to circumstances and, and, and in all sorts of ways. But I think we're, we're right now um, looking ahead at one of the most uh, disruptive uh, things and this is coming off the cusp of the pandemic, yeah, but, right. but so it's it's big words. But um, I'd say you know with with the uh, some of the things going on in terms of introduction of new technology within uh, the, the flight operations, um, such as obviously drones and and um, regulations coming in place there, okay. um, and more actors moving forward. We have um, the EV tall segment, which is. Uh, you know, with urban air mobility and such. Um, I think it's going to be more transformative than we imagine. Right now, there's a lot of talk about air taxis and so on, but I think you know, this is going to disrupt uh, a lot of the uh, helicopter industry. Uh, there's no mm-hmm. reason why an electric um, rotor aircraft wouldn't be able to be a better option than uh, you know, a turbine helicopter in, in, in many circumstances. So that's, that's a very interesting... Um, um, thing happening, um, and I'd say even uh, looking at how the battery technology is starting to enable um, regional aircraft um, operations, you know, of three to four hours. Um, I think that's going to be very transformative for this industry, and and the impact of of um, you know a lower uh, manufacturing cost, operational cost, and um, and maintenance cost um, is going to be uh, immense that that impact on on uh, operational cost as as a whole and of course then pricing and then suddenly opening up new new market opportunities and all the same while doing this we're looking at something that's going to be eliminating a massive amount of um, uh, climate impact uh, which i would say is one of the the biggest threats to the industry right now Um, and suddenly we have you know while this is a massive problem and you know, we have the, the um, Glasgow summit just last week. Um, we have at the same time technology being an enabler for transforming the industry uh, into something that will be uh, um, 
you know, uh, I think it will have a net positive impact on, on uh, rather than a, a negative impact. If you look at, uh, you know, electric aviation being able to reduce travel by cars or the, the need to uh, increase capacity on roads and railways and so on. And I think there there's some really, really interesting aspects that that uh, we can just imagine right now. But uh, so that's uh, the, the, there's de there's definitely a lot happening in the industry, um, and uh, not all of these things have a direct impact on us. But I think some of them might open up massive opportunities and and potentially also massive threats. Um, but right now, what we've seen during the pandemic is a surge in demand from uh, eVTOL uh, operators and manufacturers, uh, as well as uh, quite a few drone operators mm -hmm. uh, starting to use web manuals to see the, the benefits of that. So we're ex very excited to be sort of right in the mix of uh, all these things that are evolving. New um, technology, yeah. but but also the, the existing market evolving in business aviation, yeah, for example, sure. where we've seen a huge uh, surge um, for we're seeing a different type of business traveler and seeing the business aviation companies growing immensely and and at the same time we'll within a near you know time frame we'll see requirements uh, increasing for the business jet operators and and how they can cope with that with more efficient and and modern solutions yeah so that's also well i think you're in a, an interesting position here because you know as in you know aviation as we look at it today um, I think that there's, you know, as we start seeing a new generation come in, as we see, start to see operations changing, there's obviously a hunger for new technology and really making the processes inside of these operations as efficient as possible. So, you know, software solutions that have a modern cloud-based, you know, you can access it anywhere. It's real time. I think these, you know, companies that are in this position, I think things are going to you're you're in a good spot to grow over over the next few years, and then you know on, with with the new technology that that's coming into play, I think everybody's really focused on obviously the equipment right and the aircraft and and all of the capabilities there, but as this as as the equipment comes and actually becomes a reality. Um, then we're going to really need to start thinking about the infrastructure and the support structure that goes in in making that uh, making that possible because it's, but, it's Greg, not all about yeah. the equipment, right? Greg, it seems like you're you're actually quite adept in this concept of, of sales, and we're we're currently hiring a junior sales position. So <laughs> yeah, I, I think I, if I understand things correctly, you're currently not employed anywhere. So uh, you know, that, you know self how, self employed is a is a better that conversation. <laughs> Yeah, I'll, I'll make a couple cold calls for you guys. <laughs> um, but you know, it's a, it's a, yeah, it's a, it's a definitely a really interesting place to be. I was at the uh, corporate jet investor uh, event in Miami last week, and you know, there's there's obviously talk about urban air mobility. Uh, some of the stuff that Embraer is 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 taking on is really cool. There's also a lot of talk about. Um, sustainable aviation fuel, which, you know, I was, I was talking to somebody the other day and I was like, you know, going back two, three years, just nobody was talking about mm. this stuff. And it's obviously like there's, there's a wave of change that's coming in, in some of these areas within the industry. And, um, yeah, we'll, we'll see where it all goes. You know, I think, um, nobody would, 
would have thought that we'd be where we're at today. And so I, I've been saying, you know, we're still at least five to 10 years out on some of these things, but maybe, maybe not, you know, maybe it's coming sooner than, uh, right. than we all think. Yeah, it's, it's, it is fascinating to look at some of the, uh, the drone operators that have been uh, coming on board in the last year. Um, the number of applications that you wouldn't have imagined and how they are displacing things that would be traditionally done with, uh, you know, helicopters or um, by, by land or, you know, yeah. it's, it's, it's just fascinating to see the immense impact that's going to have and the, the ability to scale up um, their, their um, delivery processes and the volume of, of deliveries and so on. Um, and also how that will impact existing players in the industry. Uh, I think we're, we're just, you know, we haven't really seen that, but I, I can just look at, you know, if we look at um, operators that are using web manuals currently, I think they, they, some of them will have to try to redefine how they do their business with the new introduction of new technology. And, and even on, on the, just uh, the airport side, I mean, you won't need fuel handling, how, do you, how, do, how will that be replaced with um, you know, charging infrastructure or battery replacement infrastructure? Um, what will happen to engine maintenance? Um, I mean, there are just so many uh, things that are ingrained in the aviation industry since you know, 70 years back that will be upended as, as these technologies are coming into play. And the, the biggest driver won't be climate awareness. The biggest driver is going to be financial because as you introduce these technologies, and it's just looking at a Tesla, I think they have like, let's say 20 moving parts in a Tesla. In a traditional um, car, you have over 2,000 moving parts. And that has an impact on, on I mean, certainly you don't, you don't need to service your Tesla for the warranties to still be valid. And that says something about uh, how robust and low cost that is. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and if you translate that into, into aircraft, you won't need that type of maintenance infrastructure, and you're not going to have the same type of, of um, cost related to that. So I think there's so many things in this that was going to be massively transformative, and we're just not realizing at this point. Uh, but it's, it's very exciting, a huge opportunity, but some segments are going to be uh, needing to, to you know, review these threats yeah, seriously sure. and, and try to redefine ahead of time how they will handle these transformations. Yeah, and embracing change. Otherwise, yeah. you're going to be left behind. That's always the fact, right? But but yeah. now more than ever, because it happens fast, too. It happens much faster than it used to. So coming in then to the final sales pitch of web manuals, <laughs> as you are looking at these astonishing changes around the corner, you just want to make sure that you're you're set to be able to adapt very quickly to these changes. Correct. And that's, that's what Thank we can you. offer. So that's the final sales pitch. <laughs> Awesome. And, uh, you know, everybody can find you, I'm assuming, on your website, webmanuals.arrow. Arrow. And uh, on LinkedIn, webmanuals. Uh, yeah. yeah. And on yeah. LinkedIn, both me and Martin, we're there. Yeah. Uh, please reach out uh, whether you are uh, looking to uh, modernize what you're doing or working at a great place. Yeah. Out. You know, looking to work with us or for us. Exactly. For us. Yeah. So, uh, Perfect. Well, that's, that's what it's all about. I appreciate you uh, hosting me today and taking a couple hours out of the day to talk. And uh, great to see everything that's going on. And we'll do it again. Thank you. And awesome. Thanks for uh, the opportunity to participate in your podcast. Yeah. Very cool. Of Thank course. You, appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. Thanks, guys.
Bye.